I want you just to quote that scripture with me, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Say it with me, 1, 2, 3. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, shout out, no fear here. Well, from disease and pandemic to the threat of nuclear war to the threat of some sawed-off shotgun of a dictator trying to do something terrible in this world, you better have your, you know, your caboose hooked up to Jesus. Amen? I know you don't see cabooses that often, but when I was a kid growing up, right behind our house area there in Western Air Drive in Marion, Illinois, there was a, a train line, and there was always a what? There's always a caboose back in those days. But, uh, you know, right now we need to stay hooked up to him and stay out of uh, fear and stay in faith. When Jesus was approached by Jairus because his daughter was afflicted, and by the time he got there, uh, she had already died. And everyone was wailing and crying, and he basically put everybody out. He looked at Jairus and he said, stop the fear, only believe. And sometimes we just have to look ourselves in the mirror and say the same thing. Stop the fear. Look at somebody and tell them, knock it off. John 6, 29, Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the first place. That's the last place. Say it with me. The duty of the believer is to believe on the one he sent. And it sounds so simple. It sounds really, uh, you know, something that's even easy, so to speak, in terms of believing on him. But you would be amazed at the apostasy that's going on right now in this country. From pulpits down into the pew, people turn away instead of you know, retooling and believing in a stronger manner than ever before, they're throwing down their faith. This uh, shouldn't surprise us. When you look at uh, Matthew 24, if you want to read this scripture with me, I'm going to pick it up about verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And make no mistake right now, this is exactly what the demon inside of Putin is doing with Ukraine. A nation that is 90% Christian. You say, would the devil use institutional means to attack believers? Absolutely. He did it in World War II with Hitler. And he's doing it right now. Except now it's not Jews. Jews are included in that. The primary target are people like you and me who love Jesus with all their hearts. That shouldn't surprise you. And it says, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of, of most will grow cold. And he who stands firm till the end will what? Will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a witness and as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. But notice what it says. Before the end comes, comes a falling away. Before the end comes, comes a great falling from the things of God. Uh, but the encouragement is for you and for me, but he who endures till the end, say it with me, till the end shall be saved. And that is a twofold meaning. One, if you're here when he wraps this up and you're faithful, then you're good to go. Or in case of your death, faithful to the end of your life. You want to be a person who's known by standing in there and hanging in there, no matter what you see, fear, feel or hear. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul said it this way in verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of, about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you may be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Say it, a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He wrote to his son Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.1, and he said it like this, For the Spirit expressly states that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now there's a belief out there in the body of Christ that says, well, if you ever were saved, then you would never turn away. But Scripture begs to differ with that philosophy. It's possible for you to what? To walk in faith, to know the Lord, and to depart. So anybody that's got that little bit of religion in you today, you need to throw that up. And get that out of your system. Because according to Jesus, and according to the writings of Paul, it's entirely possible for someone who knows the Lord to what? To walk away from him. In fact, when the Bible speaks of Peter coming back to Jesus, it uses the Greek phrase, reconverted. 
You understand what's going on here. Now, I want to encourage you today in, in your overall concept of faith, learning how to believe God, but I want you to make sure you have that foundation. Your duty, first and foremost, is to believe on the one that he sent. That is your foundation. That is the thing that is going to sustain you in everything that is going on. And I'd like to tell you that uh, everything is going to settle down. Everything's going to be like it was before. If you still have faith about things being like it was before, COVID hit, amen, before Putin went nuts. And trust me, he is acting like a nut. Uh, that's why you need to pray more than you ever have before. We're not looking for, for normal. We're looking for Jesus. Come on, say it. I'm looking for Jesus, not just normal. You've heard me say many times from this pulpit that one word can change your life forever. One word from God can change your life forever. And with that word from God will come favor and blessing. But also one word from Satan can change your life forever. And not the blessing, but the curse comes with that. But a lot of the damage is being done by the third category. One word from a human can change your life forever. If you don't have the discernment to know whether that is of God or not of God. It'll come with an agenda and it will come with confusion. Think about believing God. Believing God is not number one time base. It's not, well, I believe up to a certain time or a place on the clock or calendar that I'm not expected to continue in. No, it's not based on time. You're going to fight your fight till the end. Can I have an amen? You're going to stand until the end. Can I have an amen? It's not time based. Faith is also not circumstance based or experience based. Well, as long as all these things aren't going on, that I'll be just fine. No, no matter what the devil throws at you, you're going to stand. And having done all to stand, you're going to what? You're going to continue to stand. Because your faith is not based on experiences or the clock. If you never ever see another breakthrough, you already have a foundation. The duty is to believe on the one he has sent. You've already got the package. So don't pay attention to circumstances, internationally, nationally, what's going on with disease, what's going on with the economy, what's going on with inflation. Listen, you focus on the one thing. You have found the truth. Amen. You have discovered the treasure. Yeah. Now make up your mind you're going to stand no matter what experience you deal with. Because no matter what the enemy throws at you, greater is he that is in you. Amen. And remember what the word says. In this word you will have trouble, but be of what? Good chair, I have overcome the world. Your believing God is not feeling based. If I feel like serving God, I will. If I feel like being involved, I will. If I feel like being victorious, I will. has nothing to do with your emotions. In fact, if we can't get a hold of this in the last day's church, if we cannot win the battle over the emotion, a lot of people are not going to make it. Because they live as they feel. Do you know you can feel horrible and still be faithful to God? You can feel depressed and still be faithful to God. You can feel some discouragement but still be faithful to God. You can feel like all is lost and still stand on that one principle. I'm going to believe in the one he sent. Talk about a stabilizing force. We have people when they feel like it, they walk with God. When they don't feel like it, they don't walk with God. I'm telling you what, it has nothing to do with what you feel. Fourth, it's not crowd-based. Whatever the crowd is doing, well, we should do it, do it. No, you, you notice the crowd is going the wrong way right now. It doesn't matter what they are doing or what they are saying. What matters is that you hold steady in your faith. You're going to see a lot of the crowd depart. You're going to see many people you thought were going to make it across that finish line who do not because their eyes are on the wrong thing. It's not crowd-based. Turn to somebody and tell them, I don't care what the crowd does. I'm not going to follow the Pied Piper into hell. Number five, it's not ease-based. If you're not careful, you'll translate ease of life with somehow everything being right. You know, you can be going through some pretty tough times and be perfectly right with God. The Bible says, yeah, all those that live a godly life in Christ Jesus will what? Will be persecuted. So listen, it also says, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Some of you are thinking, I don't got that problem. Think about it. I mean, if everything 100% of the time is just hunky-dory, you need to do a faith check real quickly. 
Because the Bible tells me that faith attracts trouble and adversity. Listen, faith does not make you immune from challenges. Faith gives you the key to be victorious over every one of them. That's the difference. So it doesn't make any difference what the clock is saying, what circumstances are saying, what my feelings are saying, what the crowd thinks or what the crowd says. It makes no difference how easy thing is. It's not based on that. Amen? And we're going to find out uh, just how true that is as the days progress. You've got to make a, a very you know, solid quality decision right now to put your eyes back on the things that matter and not on the things that don't. Just the past couple of years, give you an example of apostasy. And apostasy is very simple. It's a rejection of Jesus Christ. It's a denial of Him as Lord and Savior. It's a rejection of Christianity and all that goes with it. And all these people have one thing in common. These are people that all know better. These are all people who actually stood before people and influenced other people. They either pastored churches or ran ministries. And they let the enemy come in and tell them Somehow the things you've been preaching and teaching are not true. Can I tell you something? The truth remains. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. And just because somebody turns their back on Jesus Christ does not mean they made a good decision, obviously. The Hillsong songwriter Marty Sampson wrote this. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. Now how many know Hillsong is a very powerful ministry and has rocked this world for Jesus? It just shows you no matter who you are, if you don't keep your focus on the right things, the devil can get in there and supplant what God has accomplished. He said Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. Well, who are you going to turn to? What, do you believe in nihilism now? You just cease to exist when you die? What, Buddha going to get you there? Muhammad going to get you there? No. Peter had it right. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are you going to go? You're going to stop singing and worshiping God and all of a sudden, what, who, what, who's going to get you there if Jesus can't get you there? You can see the spiritual nature of this. Joshua Harris, who co-wrote the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye and former pastor of a megachurch in Maryland, renounced his faith. He said, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. When you hear people talk about that, run for the hills. Let me give you a modern term. It just means being unfaithful. That's what this is. The biblical phrase has fallen away by all the measurements I have for defining a Christian. I am not a Christian. Now, can you imagine God giving somebody a supernatural platform to influence youth all over the world and then turning your back on Jesus Christ? David Goss was former pastor of Grace Family Fellowship in Covenant Church and Cedar Community Church. He took to social media and he announced this. After 40 years of being a devout follower, 20 of those being an evangelical pastor, I'm walking away from the faith. Even though this has been a massive bomb drop in my life, it has been decades in the making. Listen to that language. Decades in the making. That will be important for later in this message. Another high-profile Christian personality to renounce his faith is Paul Maxwell. He wrote Desiring God. He said on his Instagram feed, "What really, I really miss this connection with people. What I've discovered is that I'm ready to connect again, and I'm kind of ready not to be angry anymore. I love you guys, and I love all of the friendships and support I've built here, and I think it's important to say that I'm just not a Christian anymore. I mean, know if the devil can get in the mind of a spiritual leader like that. He can get in the mind and heart of any person in this room. John Steingard, the Canadian Christian rock band, Hawk Nelson, lead vocalist. I no longer believe in God. He explained it didn't happen overnight. Hear that language. One reason Steingar gave up his faith was his support for legalizing same-sex marriage in 2015 and the theory of evolution, which he, was, uh, which he said was an anti-Christian stand. Can you imagine that? Trading Jesus for the homosexual agenda and evolutionary theory. I think I'm just going to stick with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to dance with the one that brung me. Amen. Are you here? Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm going to dance with the one... That brung me. 
He brought me this far. He's going to take me the rest of the way. But I just point this out, and then there are tens of thousands that don't have titles and positions and platforms, and they're doing the same thing. The question is, why? Why are people falling away? I've said this before, and I want to be clear. You know, COVID did not do anything to the church. All COVID did was reveal its true health. COVID didn't do anything to your faith. It revealed your faith. COVID didn't reveal your commitment to reach the lost and to serve Jesus. It revealed the quality and the nature of that. And what we see right now, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty ugly. The turn to somebody and say, not me. I'm not going down that path. How many could raise your hand and say, Jesus has been too good to me? I mean, think about this. I'm going to renounce Jesus. Then who am I going to go to to pay for my sins? When you renounce Jesus, you no longer get his blood. What's going to be the result of somebody who no longer has a blood covering? You know the answer to that question. But these same geniuses have allowed the devil to talk them out of the existence of the devil and of hell itself. Amen. Why they stop believing? I want to give these to you, share some scriptures with you, and then talk to you about how to, how to stay firm and how to stay strong in your faith and in your believing in the days that we live in. The first reason they stop believing is they love this world. Paul pointed this out in the scripture when he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. First John says it like this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, he, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will what? Will abide forever. There are people who just simply love the world, and they depart from the faith. They love the things. They love pursuing the things of God. Uh, I can't count on my hands right now the number of sinners of God young people who grew up singing praises of God, but then took their talent and gave it to the world. And instead of using that platform to glorify God in these end times, they're doing nothing but glorifying themselves because they what? They love the world. I'm going to tell you that Jesus can do you better than any world will ever do. Stick with him. Number two, in uh, intellectual pride. Intellectual pride is another reason that people stop believing. In uh, Romans 1, 21 and 22, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They worship, their, they worship of course, the, creator, uh, the creation instead of the Creator. But what are these intellectuals doing? I'll tell you what they're doing. They're worshiping their minds instead of the one who gave them their mind. They say, well, we just uh, intellectually have arrived at a place that there is no hell, okay? So you're telling me that through your own intellect, you deduced that there was no hell. How did you do that? Well, we read scriptures about it, and uh, we don't believe that a loving God would send us to hell. Well, the same Bible that tells you what? That God is love is the same Bible that tells you there's a hell. Can you see the intellectual dishonesty here? It's nonsense. I'm going to worship the creation instead of the creator. I am going, I'm fine, you know, love the trees and the mountains and the birds, amen. Protect the environment, do whatever, because we should be good stewards of this, but we should not be worshiping these things. For example, our nation the past four or five years should have been on the active ready in terms of our military instead of trying to figure out how we can have electric vehicles in the field by 2050. Our military commanders should have been preparing us for stupid, amen, instead of worrying about wokeism and social engineering among our ranks. Because now we face the, the biggest situation we've had since World War II 
and our military commanders have been more concerned about critical race theory and electric vehicles. You tell me what's going to happen if an electric pulse, you know, magnetic pulse weapon hits the field. Every tank won't work. Every trunk won't work. We're dealing with fools in this nation right now. Why? Why? Because they're turning from the creator and going to the creation. The job of the military is to be prepared to kill if necessary to protect the interests of this nation. You say, I don't like that. That's just the way it is. And you see what happens when someone's perceived as weak. And if you think this nutball is done in Ukraine, you're crazy. So you pray that somebody will grow a spine. Who should grow a spine, Pastor? Brandon should grow a spine. But what's going on? It's this, this flurry of, you know, we're smarter than God. And it's not just in the world. And it's not just in the military. It's not just in the pew, in the pulpit. Preaching, there is no hell. That was made up by man. No, my brother, that was not, not made up at all. That was disclosed by Jesus. It's real. Number three, disappointments and hurts. I'm hurt, so I'm walking away. I'm disappointed, so I'm giving up. Well, you know, if that's all it takes, the devil will make sure you're disappointed and hurt. John 20, the Bible says in verse 24, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, Jesus was very merciful to him. And the next gathering, he showed up and he allowed him to do that. And he called him, My Lord, my God. But you know what Jesus said? Blessed are they, what? Who believe and yet have not seen. Folks in the body said, Jesus was talking about you. You haven't seen, and yet you believe. You know, as long as you live on this planet, you're going to have some disappointments and hurts. Amen. Well, it's them Christians. It's them Christians that hurt me. Who do you hang out with the most? If you hung out in the bar most of your time, you'd say, those people in the bar, those people in the bar. It's not rocket science that you're going to be what? disappointed and wounded by the people you hang around the most. How do you like this rocket science sermon today? <laughs> that's why. Oh, so that's what happened, Pastor. Now I get it. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> You're going to be hurt. You're going to be disappointed. So I should turn my back on Jesus because of what people did or did not do, what they do or don't do, what they say or don't say, you're going to see this. If people aren't operating in faith, they're operating in fear, and when they're operating in fear, they are going to be a danger to everyone around them, and hurt and disappointment is inevitable. I understand these fellows were hurt, but if they'd pay more attention to what Jesus taught instead of their feelings, this scenario never would have happened. They love the world. Intellectual pride, disappointments and hurts. Number four, seducing spirits. Paul said it plainly. Some shall depart the faith because of what? Giving heed, yielding to, listening to, and yielding to seducing spirits. Seducing spirits are, are spirits that gradually draw us away from right belief and conduct. doesn't happen overnight. That's why what these two men said in their testimony, their denunciation of Christ is so important. It doesn't happen overnight. The first little arrow the devil you know, shoots at you about the authenticity of Christ and the only way to heaven and the truthfulness of God's word. The first time that arrow comes, you need to open up your mouth and say, no, it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not receiving that. But over time, year after year after year after year, it got to the point where he finally got them. But it was gradual. People don't denounce Christ on a whim. It doesn't happen in a whim or it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over time. And that's exactly what they said. I didn't make it up. They said by their own testimony, this has been coming and building for some time. Look at somebody and tell them the first lie, you need to cast it down. Casting down what? 
vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Aren't you glad you have some knowledge today? The first time he says, well, you know, there's no devil, there's no hell, or God doesn't care, it doesn't take all that. Well, blah, blah, blah. You need to be ready to shoot that down. Because it won't be the isolated situation or word. It's going to be the, the accumulation of all of these things attacking your heart over time. And one day maybe you stand up and say, well, I just, I'm just not a Christian anymore. Can I tell you something? You know that everybody's a Christian in hell? Once you get to hell, everybody's a believer. The problem is it's too late. Amen. It's not too late for us in here, though, is it? Huh? Seducing spirits, and in the same scripture, teachings inspired by demons. Seducing spirits and what? Doctrines of devils. False doctrines. Things that violate his word, his nature, his character, his plan of salvation, his sovereignty, his authority, his dominion. And I've said this before. I go to conferences and sit under the Word sometimes a week at a time or three or four days at a time. I never see, speaking tonight, demon so-and-so. You don't go hear the demon. How does the doctrine get out? It gets out through established ministers of the gospel. That's how the doctrines of the devil get out. There's more than one way to heaven. A pastor in Nashville two years ago held up his Bible and says, this is no longer relevant for us today. No longer relevant for us today? If this word is not relevant, then what are you going to preach? You're going to preach Reader's Digest and Time Magazine and USA. What are you going to preach if this is no longer relevant? Where did that come from? You know, if you're sitting in a church like that, you shouldn't walk, you should run. You don't have to make a big stink and say, heretic, heretic, heretic. Just get out. That's dumb. You know what's dumber? Is to stay there when someone tells you the word of God is not relevant. Where do the doctrines of the devils come from? They come from ministerial platforms. That's where they come from. And once you close this book, you're, you're capable of saying anything, including things that are to completely diametrically opposite to the Word of God. Close this book and you can do what they did in Louisville a couple years ago. Stand up there with their robes and their collars on in the name of Jesus Christ and actually dare to sit there and bless an abortion clinic in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. How blind can you be? I mean, I, I half expected the sidewalk just to open up. You want to talk about the mercy of God? Let me get this straight. You're going to evoke the blessing on the murder of the innocents in my name? What were they doing? These weren't people, you know, from some radical left-wing organization. These were people who were so-called ministry leaders. Turn to somebody and tell them, be careful what you're listening to. Remember, it's the long-term effect of this stuff that gets you. Say it with me, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Number six, trouble and persecution. People are falling away because of trouble and persecution. This powerful scripture in Hebrews 10, verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Now listen to this counsel, he says. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Turn to somebody and tell them, you need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. He, he who is coming will come and will not delay. My friends, this was 2,000 years ago. If he is not delaying then, guess what? We are much closer today. And he said, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back or falls away or gives up. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith 
and are saved. What happens if you give up? What happens if you quit? What happens if you shrink back? You're destroyed. Amen. What happens if you hang in there? You're saved and you're blessed. Come on, shout it out. I'm standing. No matter what happens. Well, they're mean. They're persecuting me. Listen, just be, be thankful to God. You're suffering the same way the Lord did. The suffering of the believer is not suffering with things that Jesus died to redeem you from. Not poverty, not sickness. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Not confusion, not trouble, not depression. When you are a believer, you will face trouble and persecution. And that is the suffering that comes with the cross. So what are you going to do? You're going to stand. Say it, having all done. To stand. I'm going to what? I'm going to stand. You'd be amazed how many people are just, they've been fighting the fight and now they're just tired of it. They want to take the pressure off. No, don't take the pressure off. Roll over on the Lord who's designed to handle the pressure. Let him be the one to strengthen you instead of trying to do it yourself. Then the last of these, number seven, is a thing you've never heard in this church discussed. It's called offense. Let me help you out here. Offense in the Christian heart is a hypersonic path to apostasy. You simply cannot play around with offense in your heart. In this case, the scripture says in John chapter 6, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, heard what? The doctrine he taught about eating his, what? His flesh and drinking his blood. You have to take me. I am the bread of life. There is no other way to heaven. We don't know all that they were thinking. Some are thinking, surely he's not saying he's God. Surely he's not talking about literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Well, whatever it was, they said to him, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. Write the word down, grumble, grumble. If you're grumbling, you're offended. End of story. If you're grumbling, you're offended. If you're grumbling, you're offended. If you're grumbling, you're offended. It's a manifestation of what? Offense. No, I'm not. I'm just venting. No, okay. If you're venting, then you are offended. And you're the only person that can really police this in your life. I promise you, there is nothing you're grumbling about that is more important than the plan that God has for your life. Nothing. Talk when you have to talk. Share with people what needs to be shared with, but not watch this in your heart because they're grumbling over the very thing he taught and said. Do you take offense at this, Jesus said? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who were and uh, who would believe and those who would not and those who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Listen to this phrase. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? They got offended. Or turn to somebody and tell them, guard your heart from all offense. Offense with the family. Offense with a husband or wife. Offense with the kids. Kids offense with the parents. Offense at work. Amen? Offense in church. Offense in ministry. Offense at the gas station. Hello. Guard your heart. Because it's a pathway. Absolutely to apostasy. To getting so hard that one day you throw your faith down. I am done with this. I'm going to depart from the faith given he just, you know, doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. But I've been talking about this for years. You know, and it's not just uh, you know, a topic of, of interest or whatever. It is preventative. They got offended at Jesus and they turned away. Look at somebody and say, keep it out of your heart. Amen. How can I tell if I'm offended? You grumble. Right from the master's teaching. Say, when I grumble, 
I'm offended. Say, when I grumble, I'm offended. Look at somebody say, stop grumbling. You know, they, they did this in the Old Testament. <laughs> we should have gone back to Egypt. We're going to die out here. You know what the Lord said? I heard every word you said. And everything you said is going to come to pass. Amen. Say it with me, Lord Jesus, deliver me from grumble, grumble. Why are people falling away? They love the world. Why? They have intellectual pride. Why? Because of disappointments and hurts. Why? Because of seducing spirits. Why? Because of teachings inspired by demons. Why? Because of trouble or persecution. Why? Because of offense. Amen. Jesus looked at uh, Peter and the rest of them and said, well, y'all going to leave too? And what did Peter say? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. These people that are walking away from God, where are they going? There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we what? We must be saved. Turn to somebody and tell them there is no other name. There is no other way. How many of you like to know how to protect yourself? Amen? Not complicated. Keep yourself from falling. How can you do that? Number one, just write this down and meditate on this. Stay in the church of God. Stay in the church of God. It's a conscious decision. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on what's going on. It's not based on programs, what is happening, what's for my family, what's not for my family. It's a quality decision to stay connected. I can't explain this to you, but when you're in and connected to the local church, you have a covering over your life that you don't have when you're out there by yourself. I don't care who you are or how spiritual you think you are. You do not and you cannot live this life alone. Everyone has to be connected to the local body. And moreover, when we are right with God, and I'm not talking about people that are afflicted. I'm not talking about people that have to work. There are issues they deal with. There are responsibilities that they have. I'm talking about people willfully absenting themselves from the house of God because they're being subject to the spirit that's in this land right now and drawing them away from right devotion. I've often said this, your spiritual life should be marked by participation on both rails. Christianity is not a monorail. It takes both rails for the train to go down the track. One is the rail of corporate commitment and the other one is personal devotion. You have to have them both. There's a covering that takes place. There's an anointing that takes place. Yes, you can read the Bible and study and even preach to yourself. But there is an anointing in the corporate setting that allows things to come out that you and I need for us to be victorious. Say it with me. Victorious. You say, well, what about you? You know, I don't have 90% sometimes of what I say on notes. More often than not, I just slip on over into a realm that has nothing to do with what God has assigned me, I thought, to minister on. In other words, the prophetic is real. You miss the, the uh, importance of the body when you're not around. You say, I don't understand. If I start feeling better, if I start things going better in life, well, then I'll get back into the local church. You don't understand. The reason everything's falling apart is you're not doing what God's told you to do. Hey, COVID heads, knock it off. Get your rear end back in the house of God. Yeah, but COVID goes there. That's right, but COVID doesn't go to Walmart. And COVID doesn't go to the restaurant. And COVID ain't going to the mall. Do I look stupid? I don't feel stupid, but do I look stupid? COVID's everywhere else, but in the house of God. Can't go to the house of God. Yeah, but they sing in the house of God. A lot of churches don't sing anymore. <laughs> this is the safest place you can be. What if I die? Then you go meet Jesus. My sister taught me that. She said, God will protect you supernaturally. Hallelujah, Psalm 91. I said, so if somebody pulls a gun on me, I just speak the name. I'm a baby. And I understand I'm a baby, 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 like a couple hours old in the Lord here. 
So somebody pulls a gun on me and I, I shout out the name of Jesus and I bind and I loose whatever I can do. And uh, he's just going to he's just going to withdraw. She goes, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. You trust God for that. I said, what if he pulls the trigger? She goes, then you go to heaven. My first faith lesson. You wouldn't care about coming to church and catching COVID if you didn't have that fear operating in your life. That's why we're in our third month on this topic. When are you going to unplug? I, well, I guess whenever he says it's done, amen. I mean, right now I kind of feel like I'm just turning you over in the pan. <laughs> Cooking the other side. <laughs> we want to be well done three and three, don't we? We don't believe in any raw meat around here. We want it well cooked, hallelujah. <laughs> Stay what? In the house of God. No matter what you think intellectually, no matter what you feel emotionally, amen, no matter what the devil's telling you, stay connected. You're the ones that are going to not just survive, but thrive in the days that are ahead. Even in Ukraine, despite the, the devastation, guess what the churches are doing? Meeting in basements and in tunnels and old places that were long ago closed in, that were there 50, 60 years ago, and doing what? Open up a Bible, preach the word, and sing in the songs of God. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Amen. I don't, I don't expect a hypersonic missile from the Soviet Union to hit this building today. But every single day now, they walk out the past three weeks. I like what President Zelensky said. He goes, you all remember what happened and how you felt on 9-11, how you felt on Pearl Harbor the day after that day. Well, that has been happening to us not just one night, but every single night now for over three weeks. Courageous people. They ought to be. Most of them are believers. Amen. Stay connected. You know what happens when, when your heart's aflame for Jesus? Your heart's aflame for the church as well. No, 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 no. I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. You're in trouble. Because your spiritual elevator is not going all the way to the top. Bert, raise your hand so everybody can see who you are. She's married to a man, wonderful man named Claude for a long, long time. and He was one of our uh, military vets. We appreciate his service. He, uh, he got cancer. He'd been away from the house of God for a very long time and in his heart away from God a very, very long time. And uh, it was about 10 o'clock. He was up at the hospital. He was, he was going through this, this ordeal. And uh, I just, I was, I know what I was doing. I was sitting on the, on the couch or something. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go up and, and see him. Now's the time to go see him. So I went there and I walked in the door. And I understand he hadn't been here. And we're not talking about good man, bad man. We're talking about faithful man to his wife, faithful to his kids, wonderful father and grandfather, hard worker, served our country. It's just a thing there with the Lord. Amen. And the truth, there's issues there. Some things he went through. I walked in the door. Um. And he looked at me and his head raised off the pillow and he goes, I just knew you were coming in here tonight. He said, he said, I'm so glad. Now this is the same guy that when he saw me walking to the post office would walk the other way. You understand what I'm saying to you? Oh, here it comes. I don't know how to have a conversation with this guy. So I'll just close the you know, little barn door they have. Just close that barn door and be done with it. It's totally different. I'm so glad you're here I wanted to talk to you. I said to him, I said, you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, aren't you? He said, I want to do it. I want to do it right now. Amen. Gave his life to Christ that night. I said, uh, I said you know what? I'm going I'm to come back here and bring you a Bible. He said, oh, that would be great. And so I brought the Bible back to him. He said, if, if I could get out of here this Sunday, I'd be in church. That's what he said. And I don't think it was that week, was it? But the following week, he was out of the hospital. You know he was? Sitting right back there next to her with that Bible open like this, following along the message. The first thing he wanted to do when he got right from God was get back in the house of God. Yes. yes. Amen. Come on, say it. Stay in the house of God. And I've uh, been in uh, ministry for quite a while now. 
And it will always be one of my most cherished and blessed memories the night he gave his life to Christ. And the picture on Facebook of him sitting back there, boom. That's the first thing. You know what? When your heart's right with Jesus, you want to be. As messed up as all of us are, that's the first place you want to go. Don't make sense. That's where your heart goes. You want to be with the people of God. I got to say the same thing about Will. When when I uh, first met him and got to be the, had the pleasure of being their pastor, you know, it, it's not uncommon for me. You know, it's just uh, when I'm praying for somebody, to lay hands on them and pray for them. And I'm telling you what, he would not let me lay hands on him because some things he had been through. And I mean, it was just like ice and there's like walls going up. And uh, I told Chris this, that one of the things I noticed over time is that he, he wanted prayer in the past four or five years if I didn't lay hands on him and pray for him. You see what I'm saying to you? That's when he would he'd hurry up and say, I need some prayer here. And uh, you brought this up the other day in the hospital. I, I told you that my grandmother is the most negative person I ever met. That he was a close second. <laughs> you know, pray for my grandmother. I'm going to die. <laughs> this last um, extended stay in the hospital, he actually said this to his son. I want you to check me out and take me to church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Chris was like, that's not how this works. <laughs> I, just I just can't check you out and then take you to church. But where was his heart? And when he got out, you know where he came? Came to men's breakfast and then came to church. I was talking about just a couple weeks ago. What am I saying to you? When a person's right with God, they what? They want to be in the house of God. Stay in the house of God. Amen. Number two, stay in the word of God. This is a day to immerse yourself like you never had before. If you want to, you can listen to the word of God being preached 24 hours a day, a thousand different channels, and just submerge literally yourself, immerse yourself in the word of God. Why? Because when some, some uh, you know, bitter and upset spiritual leader gets up here and says, well, I know the Bible says that about hell, but there is no hell. What are you going to do? You're going to know because you have been immersed in the word of God that that's nonsense. So it will be first place and final authority. Your allegiance is never to a denomination. It is never to an individual or personality. Your allegiance is to Jesus Christ and to his word. Somebody tells you that God doesn't care about your life on this earth. He doesn't care about your body. He doesn't care about your finances. You just simply say, well, that's not God. How do I know it's not God? Because it's in his word that he does. So much deception. Why? Because people don't know their Bible. Amen. Say it with me. I'm going to immerse myself in the word like never before. Stay in the church, but stay in the word. We can't afford to be biblically illiterate right now. The stakes are too high. We've got to know. And I don't mean this because there's 66 books and there's an old and a new covenant. I mean the details of the word of God. What it says. The devil came after Jesus in Matthew 4. What did Jesus do? I said this to the staff the other day. Could you imagine being that arrogant? The devil knows the word and knows enough to twist it. But could you imagine him trying that on he who is the word? I'm going to twist the word in the ears of the one who is the word and just see if this works out. Now what did Jesus shoot back at him? The word. When he tried to get him to become apostate, When the devil tried to get Jesus to fall away from the Father, what did he pull out? The Word of God. Now, if the devil would try this on he who is the Word, how much more will he try this on you? Stay in the Word. 
Amen. Come on, shout it out. Stay in church. Stay in the word. Come on, say it. Stay in the word. Number three, stay in love. Become a person who cannot be offended. Become that rare bird that loves no matter how they're treated. It's not easy to do. But with the command comes the power to do it. Amen? When I teach on this, I'll often tell people there are levels of resistance to this. At the very apex is the person who has no tolerance for offense. Say it with me, no tolerance. No matter what they say or what they do. And if, you, if you're, if you're alert, you know, alert and awake and alive right now, you know that every day there's opportunity for this. Amen? All right? No tolerance. Say it, no tolerance. No tolerance. The next level is where people are resistant to offense, but ultimately often they give in to it, which means they know better. They're resistant to offense, but yet they give in to it. The third level is they, they consistently yield to offense. Everybody say, yield. Say again, yield to offense. What do they do? As soon as something comes up that you know, just basically rubs them the wrong way, what do they do? They enter into it. They're upset all the time. The next level from that is what we call what? Anybody remember this from the staff meeting? What comes after yielding? Class? Yes. They look for a reason to get offended. People really do that? Yeah, if your heart's not right, you will look for a reason to be offended and upset and bitter with people. But there's a level that's worse than that. And what's that? Manufacturing defense. If they can't find one, guess what? They'll create one. Those people are going to hell. (laughs) See, it would be no offense, no tolerance for offense in my life, in Jesus' name. Love is the perfect way. Love drives out all fear. You will see that all apostasy is really tied to fear because they step out of faith, what do they step into? Only two options, faith or fear. I step out of faith, I step into fear. So what you want to do is perfect that way that drives out all fear. It's the way of love. Yeah, but they talked ugly about them. Stay out of offense. Yeah, but they did me dirty. Stay out of offense. Trust God. More than one occasion, um, you know, something would have happened or I've dealt with something or somebody, and, and on more than one occasion through the years, the Lord would just say something very, very simple to me. Are we ready for it? He goes, and just like this, I'll take care of them. What does that mean? You take your hands, your mouth, your mind, your heart off of it and let the Lord take care of it. Vengeance is mine, the Lord says. I will what? I will repay. The problem is many of you are like Joseph to planets. Lord, you take too long. And I want to help you out. Huh? And if you do, you don't help the situation. Amen. But how do you know the Lord can take care of it? Praise God. So shout out loud. Stay in the house of God. Come on, stand to your feet and shout it out. Stay in the house of God. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the love of God.